this morning, I want to... Um, I want to talk about peace in the city. This is not a new concept for us. These are not heat-seeking missiles this morning, I assure you. Um, I want to, to just encourage us to, to go even further uh, in loving our neighbors. Um, and uh, so we're going to jump right in here. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon... Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. We have read this uh, on multiple occasions and told this story many times. This is a very bittersweet time in the history of Israel. This is about uh, just before Jerusalem was actually completely destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. Uh, he had come in and attacked a couple of times and been laying siege to the city. And he carried away many, many hundreds of captives. Uh, people who we thought would be beneficial to the empire, uh, successful people, uh, people with promise, and he, he took them right away from their homes and brings them over to, to Babylon, 600 miles away, to a very, very pagan culture, very foreign culture, very, uh, uh, you know, they, they, there was a lot of tension. Uh, they hated the Israelites. And so here, these people are depressed, they're sad, and in the midst of this, like, we're, we're stuck in a foreign land, they have this word that some prophet guy steps up and says, thus saith the Lord, we shall overthrow Babylon, we shall go home and reestablish Jerusalem and be saved, and all these things. And Jeremiah hears about this, and he's like, no, that's wrong. And he sends him this letter. This is why this is bittersweet, because inside of them, they want to still fight, you know? They want to, we will wage a war against this Babylonian culture, and we will, but no. What he says is something completely different, and he says, guys, settle in, and don't fight against the culture. Actually, pray for the culture. Actually, seek the peace of the culture. And I think there's something here for us today because we're, we might not be in Babylon, but we're sure not in Jerusalem either. We're, we live in a culture full of people who, who believe all kinds of things, some of them right alongside of us, some of us very different. Uh, but the fact is, many in the church have taken the, the posture of wanting to fight against it, like overthrow it, just like the captives in Babylon. But I think Jeremiah's word for them is for us too, to seek the peace of the city rather than raging against the culture and creating more of an us and them mentality. Like I said, none of this is particularly new for us. We've been flowing in this for a while. But I feel the need to impress this upon us today because we live in very, very polarizing times, in case you haven't noticed. And there's a midterm election coming up. And th there's something that just stirs up and all this, and, and I, think, I think we need to dig into biblical peace. I'm going to let the guys from the Bible Project share a, a what peace is. If you, if you are not familiar with the Bible Project, go to thebibleproject.com. It is one of the greatest resources I think that's ever been invented about Scripture, and I'll show you why. That's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. 
So it's not quite the shallow, I, I think sometimes it can have a shallow feel to us nowadays, and maybe it's because, I don't, maybe it's even, I, I've often wondered this, is it the hippie movement? Really? Like, is it people just going, peace, man, that may, makes us think, oh, those cute little hippies, like, the world's so much more complex, that makes us think that this isn't actually a big and beautiful concept. It is so much more richness than we give it uh, uh, in the way that we think about it very often today. Um, and in fact, it is a much more pervasive theme in Scripture than I ever realized until about a month ago as I started looking into this. Because uh, uh, it's everywhere. It's funny how when you, when you start looking for something, then you see it all over the place, and it's been there in plain sight the whole time. Um, it's more uh, uh, talked about than any of the fruits of the Spirit except for love. And it's in there more than wisdom. It's in more, like, it, right up there with justice and, and righteousness. To get, like, that's, that's how often this is talked about and what a big deal it is. From Genesis to Revelation. Um, here's... Uh, uh, so, uh, just a sampling. Well, actually, let's go back to, to what Jeremiah said. Uh, in the, Seek the peace of the city, for in its peace you will have peace. According to what the Bible Project guys just said, and according to, this is the, the uh, English Standard Version, translates that, seek the welfare of the city, for in its welfare you will find welfare. Some other versions say um, uh, thriving, uh, prosperity, all these kinds of things. So you can see uh, this is what we ought to be desiring for Eugene, for Springfield, for Junction City, that they would thrive, not just that uh, uh, they would not have conflict, but that they would thrive. Our neighbors would thrive, even the neighbors we disagree with, even the neighbors we might vote opposite from, that they would thrive as well. So here's just a, a, a smattering of scriptures about this. Uh, this is very familiar. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. This is the priestly blessing of the Old Testament, and it centers on shalom. It centers on wholeness. That means it's a pretty big priority. Here's another one uh, from Psalm 34. It's also repeated in the New Testament. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek shalom and pursue it. To pursue it, that means you run after it. That means you desire it. That means don't be condescending about a hippie saying peace. Like, that actually is the heart of God. He might not have all the things worked out on how, that, how that's supposed to work, but there is a seed of gospel there to say peace. The nations cry out for peace. David's saying, seek peace, pursue it. Here's another one. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. How about that? Abundant peace. Because if, again, if peace is just the absence of conflict, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Abundant lack of conflict. But abundant welfare, abundant wholeness, that's what he's calling us to. You know this story. They're in a boat. A great windstorm uh, arises. Uh, the waves are breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling and Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind to the, uh, and said to the sea, Shalom, Erene, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. As the sea turns back to form, turns back to wholeness and health. It's no longer raging. It's no longer angry in ways it wasn't supposed to be. And of course, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Irene, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of wholeness, of health, of peace. 
It's a big deal all through Scripture. And then it, it goes beyond that because here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Erede, shalom I give to you. My peace I give to you. He gives it to us. And then, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So to take that shalom that he's given us and to create more shalom. That's what we are called to do. Blessed are those who create more shalom. Have you been making shalom lately? Let's come over. Why don't you guys come over? We're going to make shalom. It'll be fun. Isn't that cool? To me, I kind of like that picture. We're going to create more shalom. You know why? Because we have the shalom of Jesus, and he gave us shalom, and he told us to make more. That's what we're going to do. That's what you and I are called to do. Paul says this, and he's expanding on it a little bit. Bless those who persecute you, bless, and do not curse them. Let's press pause. Bless those who persecute you, bless, and do not curse them. Let me ask you this. What if the church all around just decided to adopt just that? How differently would things look to bless those who disagree, to bless those who are upset, and to not elevate that, to not escalate that, but to bless? How, how much would things change if we got a hold of just that one piece? But there's more. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, so far as you can, whatever you have responsibility for, live peaceably with all. Live full of shalom with everybody as much as you can, even the ones who despise you, even the ones who will never come around to seeing your point of view, ever. They're just not going to. Will you still be able to live with shalom even for them? Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. He says, that's my domain. Don't you go back and storming back in there and raising a big stink. He is responsible for dealing with judgment, not us. And he goes on, finally, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a tall order for us, isn't it? This is a real challenge. And he's giving it to people who are in a more polarized society than we are. When there's a lot more electricity in the environment, there's, there's always, you know, it, there's always so much tension, of course, in a ruthless Roman Empire. And there's always the verge of revolt and civil war and all kinds of crazy stuff happening all over the place. And the Christians are themselves here at the beginning of some serious persecution. Now we face some cultural criticisms and there are some definitely some really unhealthy things in that regard in the way that the culture can relate to the church at times. But it is nothing compared to what these guys faced. Nothing. And he tells them, love those who persecute you. Now, if that can be true for the Romans, and if that can be true for, for Israelites in Babylon, that can be true, and it needs to be true for us. So let me ask you, who is your enemy? This is love your enemies. Well, hopefully you can, hopefully you don't have enemies. That'd be wonderful. But what if we just pull back on that word, because that has like, you know, that sounds really, really big. 
Are there, are there people in your life, people in your orbit, people on your social media feed that when you see them, something rises up in you and you just want to tell them what for? Would you close your eyes for a second? Close your eyes. Who is it in your mind's eye? Maybe it's a person or a group that you just can't abide, if you're honest. People that you want to lash out at or just make a big point to or, or, or even mock or be snarky to. That could be all kinds of people, couldn't it? Maybe it's that person who voted for the person you did not like. Maybe that person wears a red hat. Or maybe that person has bumper stickers all over their car about this cause or this cause. It could be all kinds of different people. Or maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's honestly, it could be as simple as this. Maybe they wear a green duck. Uh-oh. Well, maybe, <laughs> seriously, it can be as simple as that sometimes. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's an atheist professor or a Muslim cleric or a pastor who is callous. Maybe it's a person that stirs, it's a person that stirs you up. That person. Paul is saying, love that person. Seek their shalom. If your eyes are closed, you can open them. Most of, your, most of you guys didn't close your eyes anyway, but that's fine. I'll let it go. He's saying, love that person. Seek the shalom of that individual. Can you do that? Because here's what's happened. Honestly, this is what's happened in the world, and this is what's happened in the church. I hate to say it, but it's true. It's us and them. It's people in our camp. We seek the peace of people in our camp. We got to get our own here. We got to get the stuff that we need because they want that. And so then we end up in these polarized camps like crazy friends. Christians are not supposed to do that. That is the world system. That's not the godly system. You're not loving your neighbor if you're engaging in that. Now, again, the reason I bring this up and the reason I want to be so pointed on that is because there is a midterm election and there's also a Supreme Court nomination. And here's what happens. I, I'm not like, oh, I don't think there's any truth in this stuff, so everyone should just get along. I actually have opinions. The thing is, though, if, if your opinions lead you to dehumanizing a person across the aisle, this is a big problem for you. I actually read, there was some, somebody had made this comment and this person was supposedly a pastor and it had said, I, I'm really struggling because is it okay to humanize my political opponents? And she's being specific about who you're talking about here. Is it okay because I'm not, and I just, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You're a minister of the gospel and you're asking that question? If you have to ask the question, is it okay to affirm the value of this individual who happens to vote differently than me, then you got, you got some issues here. You need to come back to the cross because it missed something. Now, this actually was the entire point of the Good Samaritan story. Did you know that? The Good Samaritan story is not just about being nice and helping a person. If you Google Good Samaritan, you see the hospitals, or even the term Samaritan is just somebody who stops and helps. No, you know what the story is actually about? This guy asks, he asks Jesus a question. How do I inherit eternal life, teacher? And he says, well, what does the law say? And the guy answers this way. He says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you know, here's what's fascinating. That is exactly what Jesus himself had been saying. I think this guy had been following and listening to Jesus. And Jesus says, that's exactly right. Do that and you'll live. Man, what a great answer. But the guy is not satisfied and there's something in him that's shifting because he's going, okay, well, I do that pretty well, but 
Like, who do you mean when you say love your neighbor as yourself? Who's, who's my neighbor? The only reason he's asking this question is because in his mind, he's got a little asterisk. He's like, well, <clears throat> my neighbor is the people like me, right? Because, I mean, I do like the people like me. The people in my camp, dude, I'm great at loving them. There are some restrictions that apply, however. You guys know the commercials, right? The restrictions and the, the like, oh, be careful, pregnant women should not take this or even think about this, you know, like all these things, you know. That, like he's got that in his mind. He's like, I'm good at loving people. Exceptions apply. There's these people and these people. And Jesus says, okay, let me tell you a little story. I love how he answers in stories. There's a guy one day, he's walking, he's traveling and he gets beat up along the road and all his stuff is taken and he's just left there bleeding. And then this Levite comes along, religious dude, you know, his job, this is his life, is to be loving the people here. And what does he do? He walks right by him, leaves him there. Then a priest, oh, the priest is going to help him, right? Because the priest is like a next level Levite, right? Descendant of Aaron, he's going to help him. Nope, he walks by too. And then, Jesus must must have had a great dramatic pause. At this point, he must have had great dramatic pauses. He had. And then came a Samaritan. And when he says that word, this questioner tenses up. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. It's not in the Greek, but it's in between there. <laughs> a Samaritan comes. Now, who's the Samaritan? Well, here's, here's what you need to know. The Samaritan, Samaritans are people, a people group that had been First, you know, part of, of the people of God, they've been the northern kingdom, and then the Assyrians had come in, and they had sort of intermarried and intermixed, and these are the descendants. So there was incredible racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They hated one another. It wasn't just their lineage, it was their cultural practice, it was their way of worship, all this stuff. They were considered enemies. And Jesus says, a Samaritan comes. The Samaritan, what does he do? He picks the guy up, he takes him, he carries him away, he cleans him up, he drops him off at the doctor, he orders him a pizza, he... Like all this stuff, and even tells the doctor, hey, I got it. Even get him the, the, the good ice chips, the ones that Carly Davis likes, right? Send him, send him the ice chips, right? I'll take care of it all. I'll pay for it, I promise. Boom, that is what he did. So Jesus asked the question. He turns back to the guy. So who is his neighbor? And here's the guy. Like at first he's like this, and now he's like this. Who's his neighbor? The, uh, su- the su- the guy who helped him. He couldn't even say the Samaritan. The guy who helped him. And Jesus is like, good. All right then. Issue settled? The entire point of the story is that your neighbor is even the person you now consider your enemy. If you follow Jesus Christ, your neighbor is even the person you consider your enemy. Love them. Seek their wholeness too. In other words, don't treat them like an enemy. You're not supposed to have those. We're not supposed to be in those us and them circles. This is what we've been endeavoring here for quite a while, that we would love our neighbors just like we love those in the church, that those could become, that we could become conduits of blessing in their lives, not just the lives of one another. Some of you guys, I'm sure, have seen or heard of this story before it happened in 1914 at the beginning of World War I. The Germans and the French uh, uh, were entrenched in their battle lines and it, it was, it, it, 
it was Christmas Eve night, and they're not far from one another, and something absolutely astounding happened. And this video was made um, a few years ago by actually a British grocery store chain of all things, um, but it's powerful. That is a true story. I said French and Germans, obviously I meant English and Germans. Um, and uh, it was told many, many times and uh, the commanding officers were not happy about that situation, as you can imagine. And it even happened a little bit the next two years until they completely shut it down, but there's something inside the human heart that longs for wholeness. Even in a situation like this, when you know this isn't going to somehow just end the war, there's a piece of us that cries out for it. And I don't know about you, but I felt it watching that. I felt it. I'm like, I don't want them to go back to fighting. I want them to keep playing soccer. These are fr like, they're making friends here. They're looking a man in his eye. They're recognizing humanity, even though there's right and wrong in that conflict, believe me. But there's something about humanity. You're seeing, you're valuable. You can't, maybe if you can't express it, you're a person made in the image of God. And my heart goes, oh no, don't go back to fighting. You guys, that thing that we feel, that's because of Jesus. That's because he is the prince of Shalom. That's because he is, he is the prince of Irene. He wants to bring health and a wholeness in life. And that's what he offers us. Does your heart beat with shalom? Or are you living with angst? If you're lacking peace, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're not feeling shalom for your community and those you interact with, Ask yourself, why? Where is the angst and turmoil coming from? Am I being shaped by our modern culture of outrage? Is cable news doing this to me? Is social media doing this to me? Where is that coming from? Because that's not coming from the Prince of Peace. That's not how we were designed to live. That's not the way Jesus operated and the kind of shalom that he offers to us. If you're feeling that, I want to suggest this to you. It might be time to scale back on those things. In fact, no, it's not. It not might be. It's time to scale back on the other things in the culture that are discipling you other than Jesus Christ. We are not to be discipled by the world. He has a different way and a better way. And he's called us to love our neighbor. Our world right now, our Western world is not good at this. It's terrible at this right now. And it's getting more polarized and more angry and more vicious. You guys, as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to bring shalom to everybody. We're supposed to stand in opposition to that. So where is that coming from? I think what he's calling us to is to find shalom in our hearts again, in our spirits again. And to put away with those things that, that, that come up against it. Put away with the things that are giving us angst and come back to the source of peace. We're gonna practice that right now, actually. We're just gonna, we're gonna take three minutes, listen to, uh, uh, to this piece. Actually, Robert wrote this piece, it's lovely. We're gonna listen to this and just soak in what the Word of God says about peace. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and just whisper shh to our spirits now.
Holy Spirit, we need your shalom. Holy Spirit, speak into the torment inside our souls. Speak into the confusion, to the anger, to the disappointment. We desire the wholeness that only you can bring. So speak it to our souls, Lord. Help our minds to be steadfast in you, that we really can trust you and live in your perfect peace.